Susan. And this is Portia. And welcome to She Speaks Stories. And today, Portia, I'm excited to be on with you. It has been a very long time. It's been a very long time. It's definitely pre-sabbatical the last time that we were together. Has it really been that long? That's so yeah, crazy. Girl. It's been yeah. a minute. <laughs> well, I'm Yay! telling you what, I, I woke up so excited about it. I even Dib said to me, she was like, are you recording with Miss Portia today? I was like, yes, I am. <laughs> I was so excited. So glad to be with you, Susan. I know. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Are your kids done with school yet? Girl, no. We still have another couple weeks of school. But I imagine when our listeners hear this episode, it's going to be summertime. So, woo, summer. Yes, that's good. That's so good. Yeah, we've only got a a dib. Do you let me tell you this? This is a really odd little story. Dib had two weeks left of school, and Mm -hmm. our school has been very, very, you know, on the ball. They've gone the whole year, Mm -hmm. but masks and social Mm -hmm. distancing and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay, so everything has gone really, really well. The last two weeks of school, there was this crazy, freakish breakout of COVID just with sixth grade boys. (laughs) What? What I mean, just I know. I'm like, what are you boys doing? Get control of yourself. Well, because of that, the um, the superintendent was like, "No, I'm not even risking this. We've had a great school year. We're done." So they sent all of sixth grade home. Yeah. And so we literally get a phone call at 10 o'clock, and they said, "Come get your kid by 11. School year's done." <laughs> and so what their grades are is what their grades are, and it, yeah. we're done. And I so really think that should happen across the country. Let's just be done. Call it. Let me tell you. It's done. And do you know what happened? They She didn't have to take finals. Like, wow. I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I mean, usually I do like a big hoo-hoo-hoo on the last day of school and I'll decorate the car or whatever. Yeah. I mean, literally 11. I get it. I was in a meeting. Ed texts me. He's like, I'm on my way to pick up Dibber. School's over. I was like, no, <laughs> no, school over. And I just so, think. Let's just accept for what it is and just go, we're done. We're done with school. We will start fresh for this next school year and let's not beat ourselves up over it. It's okay. Also, as you know, I'm a, I'm a former educator and um, principal. I'm going to let the secret out of the bag. All the teachers. We're not learning nothing in that last part of school anyway. Nothing. It is crowd control. It is enriched. Now I'm not saying that good things aren't happening, but I'm telling you what your kids know a certain part of the year is what they know that's right that's right please don't write us emails and tell me that you're mad at me for revealing (laughs) you're just revealing the truth that's all it it is let's call it it's done it is it is it's so true who are you hanging with today fantastic guest today i mean we've got a fantastic guest today and i will say this um katie sent a text message that she was quite jealous that she could not be with us today like yeah. she was like begging and pleading, can you please reschedule because I don't want to miss this. And so that tells you how good it's going to be. When Katie is pleading about something, then mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be good. So, um, Portia, you want to read her bio and then we will introduce her and then we're going to dive right into her story. All right, I'm going to jump into the bio. Chrissy Kinnison is a military spouse, a mom of three beautiful children, and the author of What If I Name Her Grace, a transformative tale of trying to live like Jesus in the trenches of early marriage and motherhood and learning how to find God's grace when you miss the mark. Founder of Copy with Chrissy, an online copywriting business, she's also featured on online publications and a popular guest on entrepreneurial podcasts. Chrissy Mm -hmm. currently lives with her family in New Mexico, but frequently moves, as most military families do, pull up a chair, story community, and listen to Chrissy Keniston's story of trading guilt for grace. Welcome, Chrissy. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. We are so excited that you are here. 
I am not you, a military I spouse, you've got but the book right in the back. Yeah, I so, do. Yes. Product placement. I love it. That's <laughs> I love awesome. It. I love Listeners it. I love know it. that there is a book over Chrissy's shoulder that we are looking at. And um, we are surely <laughs> going to talk about how you can get your hands on this book as we keep going. But let's let's start at the very beginning. I always like to think about um, what is that movie? Sound of Music? Start yeah. at the very beginning. Isn't that from the <laughs> yes. start of music? Yeah. Okay, here we go. <laughs> I won't keep singing. <laughs> but Chrissy, other than writing, what other passion did you have growing up? Yeah, so writing was actually kind of just like a side thing for me. I mean, I always kept journals as a kid, um, but ballet was what I focused on like, wow. my entire childhood. It was the only extra by eight or nine years old I was dancing every day and then I actually went to an arts boarding school I went to the North Carolina School of the Arts for eighth grade through 12th grade so I left home when I was 13 yeah and I I was very serious about it and I went to college for dance at Florida State University and then after the first semester it was weird. It was like, I just, my knees were starting to give out okay. and I hit a place where it was like, okay, you do something about it medically or you're mm-hmm. done. And by that point, I, I had wanted to be prima ballerina. Like that yeah. was my dream. I wanted to be New York city ballet, the best. And the thing with ballet is like, if you aren't blessed with feet that are like literally the bone structure is a certain way and mm-hmm. your hips have a certain amount of flexibility. It doesn't matter how hard you work. You, wow. you will never make it to that point. And so I realized at that point when I was about 20 that, okay, that is not realistic for me. Okay. I could go down other avenues and certainly have a dance career in a different capacity, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, that wasn't what I wanted to do. And so sure. I actually, I gave it up at that point. And that was one of the hardest decisions I ever had to make, wow. but it was, I have no regrets about spending my childhood so focused on that because okay. it made me very disciplined. I had okay. to work so hard. And then being at that boarding school, you know, those were top tier teachers. They were, there were Russian teachers that were very hardcore. And uh-huh. wow. we had people that had been in New York City Ballet and American Ballet Theater and all of that. And they were very realistic with me, you know, and mm-hmm. they would tell me. It doesn't matter how hard you work, you're not going to get there. And wow. to hear that as a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. when you're like already figuring out who you are and you're so vulnerable emotionally, and mm-hmm. that was hard. I mean, it really, yeah. I had to grow up fast to deal with that and handle sure. it at that age, but it helped me. I, I feel like it helped prepare me for the military life with all the uncertainty, okay. you know, and I never knew like, am I going to get to keep coming back to the school? What's my future going to look like? I just had to learn to deal with that uncertainty so early on. Wow. So it was a good experience. It was definitely difficult, but sure. I wouldn't trade it for anything. That's, that's amazing. I'm always so curious about people that have gone to boarding school. So some, some just truly, they would never change it for one thing. I mean, one moment in time, because it really was such a uh, a good preparation for what they were going to be as adults. So that's fascinating. That's good. That's so it good. really was. It was, it was definitely too much freedom for a teenager. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, I mean, we had curfews and we had, you know, they locked us in the building and I, we were safe and all that, mm-hmm. but I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time at all. And so okay. I made a lot of dumb teenage choices <laughs> during sure, that sure. time, you know, that yeah. may have been different if I wasn't away and had so much freedom, yeah. but yeah, you know, well, I made it through. with that. <laughs> Tell us then, describe how your relationship with God began then. Yeah. So as a kid, you know, we were church on Easter and Christmas 
family. And, you know, I was taught who Jesus was and we, you know, my parents had Bibles in the home and we said prayers before bed and before dinner and that kind of thing. But there was no concept of having a relationship with Jesus or walking with the Lord, you know, making every decision based on the Holy Spirit guidance, none of that. Um, And so then I went through high school and college in my early twenties, kind of just forgetting about him. Mm -hmm. Like I never stopped believing, never made a conscious choice to not be a Christian or anything. I just kind of forgot about it. And I was living for me, you know, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was self, very self-absorbed and just doing what felt good and what was fun. And I look back on it now, wish I could change so much, but then I, you know, I met my husband when I was 19 and uh-huh. we got married when I was 25. So okay. we dated for a while before we got married. And he had been in the Navy first before I knew him. He's five okay. years older than me. And then he got out and came to Florida State. So we met in college and I was 19. He was 24, 23, 24. And he, about three years into us dating, decided that he was going to go back in the military, that he did not want to do civilian life. It wasn't <laughs> what he thought it was going to be. And so he went into the Air Force ROTC. And at that point, we've been together three years. We knew we were going to get married. And it was like, okay, I guess I'm going to be a military wife. (laughs) Like I had never in a million years seen that in my future. And so we... Um, we got married right before we moved away from our college town for, to his first duty station. And we moved, it was actually New Mexico 10 years ago and we were alone. You know, we had no family, no friends. And in college we had been partiers uh-huh. and well, I mean, heavy partiers, <laughs> but it felt normal. That's what everyone around us was doing. We didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden we're alone and he continued to drink at the capacity that he had in college and maybe even more so. And that's when it became clear that there was a problem there because we weren't social drinking anymore. Uh-huh. You know, he was drinking alone. He was hiding things from me. And when right before the time that I got pregnant with our first child, I would thought our marriage was over. I uh-huh. thought I can't stay in this marriage. He was very emotionally abusive, never physically, but it was, he was just very angry and mean. And I was, I just felt like I can't stay in this. I don't know what to do. You know, I don't, I can, I'm not happy. Like I'm miserable, Uh still not walking with the Lord. Um, And so I didn't really have that concept of trying hard to make it work. You know, I was just like, I'm not happy. This is miserable. Why am I out here in New Mexico? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Like this is the worst. And then I got pregnant. And Mm. it was like that switch flipped and all of a sudden everything was about the baby. And Mm. I was like, okay, I have to figure this out. And so during my pregnancy, I started crying out to God, even though I didn't really know him. It was like that moment of desperation where that's just what popped into my head. And I think, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, that's when he started really calling me back to Mm -hmm. him. And I would cry myself to sleep at night, just begging him, like, tell me what to do. Help me. How am I going to bring a baby home to this? I'll never be able to leave her alone with him. And when I was eight months pregnant, two weeks before she was born, he came home from work one day and said, I need you to call your friend Genevieve and tell her to come over. And I'm going to invite my best friend over because I need to talk to you and I want them here for you. And I talk to you. And I was like, what? (laughs) And, you know, eight months pregnant, like, could you be any more hormonal? And I was like, oh my gosh, he's going to tell me he has cancer or something. Like what is happening? And so he sat us all down in the living room 
and broke down and said, I have a drinking problem and I need to get help. Wow. And it was just, I mean, I, you know, I had brought up a few times over the, you know, previous year, like, Hey, you, you've got a problem here. You need help. And he was always just like, you're making mountains out of molehills. This is, I don't have an issue. Like I thought there was no way I was ever going to get across to him. And then here he comes on his own telling, you know, us like admitting to an issue, seeking help. And what had happened that day, he had gone, he was working for the Colonel on the base and he was like his executive assistant. And they had to go to the library that morning. And the Colonel was doing a reading for the kids. Mm-hmm. And he went and he said he was sitting there looking at all those kids and it just struck him. Like I am not in any shape to be a good father. Mm-hmm. And I mean, mm-hmm. truly a miracle that that, just, I never would have guessed in a million years that he would feel that way. And the Lord just touched his heart in that moment Mm -hmm. and he just went with it. And so he went and got help and he came back a few days before the baby was born. Wow! And we, you know, we've never looked back and we, over the next, the first year of my daughter's life, we just really, we started going to church Mm -hmm. and really studying the Bible And so that was in April that she was born. The next February, we got baptized together Um, in our church, which I always say was more special than our wedding day (laughs) because we were just in such a beautiful place. And then over the last 10 years, we've just, or that that was eight years ago, last eight years, we've just really, we've, the first thing we do every time we move is find a church and Mm -hmm. we've grown so much closer to the Lord. And we really created that triangle in our marriage of God at the top. And it has transformed our lives. Wow. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's when I came to know the Lord and never look back. I love in your story that you cried out to the Lord before you were a part of a church. Because I think, I think there's a lie that the enemy likes to say to people that until you do this, this, or this, God won't hear you. God won't even bother with you. But Psalms tells us over and over again, um, specifically in Psalms 34, it says that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and to those who are Mm -hmm. crushed in spirit. And you Mm -hmm. were brokenhearted and your spirit was crushed. And you even said it was in my desperation that I began to cry out to God. And it's not because God made all of these very difficult things happen in your life. But if you're living, very difficult things happen in your life. And so I just, I love that you began to cry out to God and that he worked on your behalf before, air quote, you did the right Christian things. Because he's just so good and he is so faithful to draw us by his Holy Spirit. You even said that, like, God did this. This is a miracle. 100%. Oh, my goodness. I love that. I love that so very much. I do, too. So, okay. Grace. How how did you see God's grace in those circumstances? And even even maybe back when you were referencing to your high school days, you're like, I wish I could do some of those things over. How did you bring in grace to your own heart and how do you teach it to your kids and um how do you go about demonstrating grace I just asked you like four questions so (laughs) (laughs) no it's it's good it's I mean yeah grace has become just this overarching principle I mean I think for all of us that are walking with God right and it's it's just something that I try to keep at the forefront of my mind and when I so starting with the past when I look back at you know, the journey that I had hoped to be on this prima Mm -hmm. ballerina and that life. Um, Even if I had remained a dance major in college, 
I would not. So my husband and I met at Ruby Tuesday. We both worked there. Okay. <laughs> I would not have had that job because this, mm-hmm. the schedule that comes with being a dancer, you know, would have been so rigorous with rehearsals and performances that I would not have been able to get that job. And so I always, when I think back on it with a little bit of sadness of losing dance, um, I realize I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't have my kids, my husband, if mm-hmm. I had been on that path. And so it's just became so clear to me that God orchestrated all of that for a reason that it, it makes it easier to, to look back on it. Like, I don't feel the great sadness that I used to feel. I used to not wow. even be able to go to a ballet and mm-hmm. watch a ballet because it would just break mm-hmm. my heart. And yeah. it's not like that anymore because I can see the beauty in the journey and how I just, you know, that was the path that God had for me. And, and knowing, like grasping the full concept of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and how that covered all those things that I did. It doesn't, you know, negate them. Like they happened, you know, and it doesn't make me go, well, it doesn't matter, you know, but I feel like that deep forgiveness. So I can look Mm. at it with peace instead of with, you know, angst or, you know, frustration that I did those things. Like, no, I did them because I didn't know the Lord, you know, and he has forgiven all of that and I can move forward and not have to look back at it. And I even heard a pastor say once that when we do dwell on those things that he's already forgiven, you know, that's actually like an insult to him because he, mm. you know, Jesus died for us to forgive those things. Like, how dare we keep dwelling on them? You know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, that's the, how I kind of apply the, his grace to the past. And then now, you know, just even day to day when we keep messing it up and especially as like a mom and a wife, how many times you snap at your husband, you snap oh, at your my kids oh, and preach, preach. All that guilt it's just like yes. oh my the worst mom ever and it's yes. to just remind myself like god gives me grace for all of that yes. and i can yes. repent and truly you know say i'm going to try harder not to do that and he gives me you know the next day yeah. i can try or the next hour <laughs> i can try yeah. all over again right. and to have that grace and once you feel that for yourself it makes it easier to extend it to people around you so like wow, to my right. kids i can you know i don't always remember but i try yeah. to remember like god gives me grace for every time i mess up i need yeah. to give that to my kids and not have yes. these unrealistic expectations and just you know remember that they're still growing and learning and give them grace to fail and yeah. get up and try again yeah well and i think sometimes as women we have the hardest time giving ourselves grace. Um, We really do. And I think it's such, you know, it's such a common, commonly used word of grace. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's so much, it's so much deeper than anything that we can even think of. And yet we're so unwilling to give it to ourselves sometimes. And when we do have a bad parenting day or we do have a bad day uh, at the office or a bad day with our spouse or wherever it is, um, we tend to, instead of lean into grace, we decide to live inside shame. Mm -hmm. And that's the exact opposite of where God wants his daughters living. And, you know, I often tell myself when I find myself living in shame that, um, you know, Jesus came for freedom and shame is not freedom. Grace is freedom. Yes. And, um, I think so often we just, we don't choose as women to live inside the grace that he so kindly 
lavishes upon us. Um, yesterday, I was having a discussion in my head. I'm talking like I talk to myself all the time, which actually I pretty much do. But we do. We all do. Yes. We all, all do. do. Yes, <laughs> exactly. And I was having this discussion with myself in my head about um, the verse in the Bible that talks about um, it is his kindness that leads us to mm, repentance. So good. And I, as a mom, forget that often. And so what happens is if I lose my junk on my kids or I lose Mm -hmm. my junk on my spouse or I lose my junk at my job um, and I don't choose kindness to lead to life change, but I choose, you know, to go a little crazy after the apologies have been said, I don't choose the same kindness on my own soul. Right. Mm. And so I sit there in this, how come I did that? Why did I do this? Why am I living like that? When God he gives us such beautiful ability. I mean, grace and mercy go hand in hand. Amen. I mean, yes. they are right there. And what if we as women said, no more shame on us. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're going to give ourselves the kindness that we wish other people were giving to us. Yeah. And that when we lose yeah. our junk on people, that we're going to give that exact same kind of grace and kindness to ourselves. It's I so just good. went off on a tangent. Sorry about that. That wasn't, but... <laughs> But Chrissy talked about that once you feel the grace yourself, then it's easier yes. to give to others. And I think sometimes yeah. um, we forget to, to start from that place. Like I, right. I wish that our Christianity was a set it and forget it. Like yeah. mm-hmm. you accept Jesus, your sins are forgiven, and you just go along with life, receiving his peace and joy. And the catch is there is an every day, a daily dying, taking up our cross daily of daily going, yeah. God, I receive your grace today over my life. Help me to give that grace to those that I'm going to encounter today. And, and it's not about a rope prayer or a magic spell or snapping our fingers, but I think there is amazing power in acknowledging our need. And then we are able to see the need and be willing to give to others. And so that receiving it for ourselves, that's like on the daily. Let's be honest. Yeah. Maybe moment by moment. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. You've lived in this last year. Like we have two Chrissy. How has that been in this last year of giving grace? Because we're, we're saying these very nice words, these very nice things, but what does that look like for you? Oh girl, it's been, (laughs) well, we, we moved in the middle of COVID. We moved in August from Florida to New Mexico. Okay. So that in and of itself was intense. Um, And then in New Mexico, the kids were home until March doing virtual school. Yeah. Um, And then I run my own business. I'm a copywriter, which is fancy word for marketing. Um, And so trying to continue to run my business Mm -hmm. and prepare to market my book while I had a kindergartner and second grader learning from home was very difficult. Um, And we were in a new location and everything was super locked down here. So I met my neighbors and that's it. Um, And my son, especially he's the kindergartner. So not only did he need me because he learned to read this year, but especially the first semester, he couldn't read his assignments. So I would have to be with him, teaching him, you know, reading the assignment to him and helping him through it. And then he's also our extrovert. He's (laughs) my daughters are both more introvert homebodies like me. He Mm -hmm. loves people. He loves to socialize. He wants all the friends. And so 
to leave Florida was hard enough for him. It was our first yeah. move that he really understood leaving his friends behind and to come here and not be able to meet anybody. Our <sighs> neighbors that we did meet have little girls. And so he was just, it really affected him and yeah. he became very angry and lots of <sighs> outbursts. And I was very stressed trying to balance everything. And so for him to be having these outbursts and the me to already feel like I was at the end of my rope, you know, we did have a lot of really hard moments where I wasn't giving grace and I was, you know, frustrated and snapping Mm -hmm. and he was snapping back and it was just like tense all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the first, you know, the fall was really the worst part where we both were just, we were struggling and we weren't, you know, tuning back into God. And we just were Mm -hmm. in that season of not doing great. Um, And then at Christmas, we got to come home to Florida and see everybody and kind of get a reset And in January, when you're already kind of thinking about how you want to improve your life in January anyways, we really, I really tried to tune back in to God and like, remember to take deep breaths and pause and like feel his peace. Because my dad reminded me that Jesus said that we have his peace, Mm -hmm. like we already have it. Yeah. And, but we have to be intentional about accessing it. And I wasn't doing that. I wasn't being intentional. I wasn't taking every thought captive. I was just like going. And so I started trying to get very intentional about feeling peace in hot moments. And I would say that to myself every morning. I'd say, Mm -hmm. I feel Jesus's peace, even in the hot moments. And so that it would just be in my brain, you know, and it did, it. it started to get better. And I started to have calmer reactions And my husband and I started communicating better about it. Cause you know, when we first got here, he was getting into the new job and you know, we were just kind of a mess, but this in the winter coming into the spring, you know, we started, we communicated more about how to help my son. And then he finally got to go back to school in March, which helped immensely. And we all just kind of took a breath and start, you know, the great, the concept of grace and giving each other grace really came back. But yeah, we definitely, yeah. in the middle of COVID when we were all stuck here together and yeah. struggling yeah. with a new place, it was rough to continue to remember to tap into it. I think that's the part right. you, you forget, like it goes to the back burner because you just feel busy and chaotic and that's right. you forget. Yeah, that's right. Can you tell us, Uh, This isn't part of the questions, but I do want to ask it really quick. Tell us um, how people can get your book and a little bit about your book. Yeah. So it's called, what if I name her grace? And that is the title inspiration is from, we were having my third child, my daughter, and we wanted to name her Ava. We were looking for a middle name and I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old already. (laughs) So they're all very close in age. They're four, six, and eight now. And so I was um, a hot mess because I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old and I was pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I was always just, I wanted so badly to give that grace to my kids. And I just felt like I was always failing at it. And so, you know, when you get really mad at your kids and you say their whole name, like all three names. <laughs> and I thought if I'm saying Ava Grace Keniston, when I'm mad and I hear grace, maybe yeah. I'll remember <laughs> to give her grace. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's the inspiration for the title. But it's really, so during that period of time when I, you know, when my husband and I were saved and then I was having, you know, I had three babies in five years and we moved to Guam, we were living in Guam for two of the baby's births, you know, so we were really far from friends and family. And it was, and then he deployed when my son was four months old and my daughter was two. And it was just such a hard time, but God was so sweet during all of it, you know, and he really just 
drew me into him. And I learned so much so quickly about relying on his strength, not my own, and turning to the Bible for answers for everything and strengthening my marriage in a biblical perspective and creating friendships in a biblical perspective, handling my anxiety, you know, through God, all of it. And when it came, you know, when I realized I had reached a place where my kids were old enough that I could write, sit down and write a book because it had always been a dream. I thought that's, that's what I need to write. Like God wants me to share this with all the moms out there that are in that place I was in mm-hmm. that are just drowning and they're, yeah. they're you know, surviving, not thriving and right. forgetting. Because like I said, Jesus goes to the back burner when you're in those moments mm-hmm. for so many people, because you're just, yeah, you're drowning and you forget that he will pull you out. And so it's about marriage, motherhood, friendship, anxiety, all the things and how to go to scripture and go to Jesus for your answers, not rely on yourself, not your own strength, but how you could get it all from him. And so it walks through those, you know, five, six years of my life. So it has like an overarching story in that way, but Mm. each chapter is about a different subject too, because I know busy moms can read like 10 minutes if they're lucky. And so I wanted to make it that they can read one chapter, you know, those short chapters and go, okay, I got something. And then I can pick it up three days from now. And I won't have to, you know, I won't be like, oh, I forgot what I was reading. Sure. And so that's what it's about. And you can get it on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com right now. And then Oh, nice. June. Yeah, June 29th, it will be in, in Barnes & Noble, on store shelves, everywhere books are sold, Target, Walmart, everywhere. That's, See, that's amazing. That. Congratulations. Thank you. Like, I can hardly believe that. Like, I still pinch myself sometimes. That's amazing. A legit book that's going to be in bookstores. <laughs> well, and what I love is that this is not just like a book. It's a resource. Yeah. You know, it's a resource and an encouragement of how we filter together our lives and what God's word says, because you, you've talked about this a couple of times that we'll put Jesus on the back burner and really mm-hmm. Jesus is meant to be woven into every detail of our lives. Yeah. Right. Yes. Um, I know I have um, sometimes I have been told, why is there a scripture for all of these different things? And while there's not a scripture for every specific thing that we'll face in our life, there are principles that are in there for the things that we face in our life. And so I love that there's a resource that is available and that also you're not speaking about things in theory, but you're speaking about things that you actually experience because that gives you um, a greater sense of authority about what you're talking about. Cause this isn't just, I've heard it said, this is no, this is how, this is what happened in my life. And yeah. this is how the Lord showed up for me. And this is where I was missing him. And this is how his grace helped fill in yeah. the gaps. You know, um, you're yeah. not like shouting from a mountaintop, do this, do that. No, you're speaking from when you were in the valley. And I think that yeah. is so important, especially for women, because some, I think it's something that happened in the fall that we, we just live in a valley where we're looking right. at women's <laughs> stories. So um, I think that this, I'm very excited for this resource. I think it will resonate with so many women. Thank you. Yeah. Well, and my goal with it too, was to make it clear, especially for people that may have never walked with the Lord, that it's the relation, it's a relationship, not religion. Mm -hmm. And so just to make it, you know, 
practical and realistic in our crazy lives that it, you know, depending on what season of life you're in, sometimes you can spend two hours in the Bible every day. And sometimes you're lucky to get 10 minutes and that's okay. Right. right, You know, and that it's just, it's realistic for no matter what kind of chaos you're in, that you can still come back and connect to him every day, every hour. Yeah. Um, I do. I wanted to say one thing really quick because, um, some, some of our folks that listen in with us, they are um, curious in the faith and they haven't made that step to connect with Jesus yet, but they are curious. And we love, love, love that they listen um, to our stories and to the podcast each week. And I love how you talk about grace because it is about a relationship and it is about, it's more than just kindness. It's more Mm -hmm. than just um, treating someone well. Um, it's more than saying grace at dinner. Um, so what I want to read this really quick. What God brought to my mind was Ephesians two, um, verse eight, where it says, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Mm -hmm. And that it is, um, in the, the notes of the study Bible, it says here, we become Christians through God's unmerited grace not as a result of any effort, ability, intelligent choice, or act of service on our part. However, it's out of gratitude for this free gift that we will seek to help and serve others with kindness, love, and gentleness, and not merely to please ourselves. While no action or work, we do help um, others to obtain salvation and point them towards Christ. What I love is that um, as a result of the grace we've been given, we do choose things like kindness and acts of service, but God's unmerited grace on us changes our lives. Mm-hmm. And I love how God's unmerited grace literally changed your life, starting with uh, when your husband had that moment with that child. Mm-hmm. That was yes. God's unmerited grace poured out. I mean, that 100%. is just absolutely beautiful. And I think when someone begins that relationship with Jesus, the grace we experience, it is so supernatural that you realize it's so much deeper than um, any emotion or feeling that we've ever felt because it is the strongest bond we will ever know. Um, Yeah. I love that. I love it. I love the whole premise of your book. And I love that God has opened up the ability for this to go into many homes. Um, Cause that's a big daggone deal to be in target. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That That was, I mean, that was all God too. He just made these beautiful connections that I ended up meeting someone through my business that knew a publisher Mm -hmm. and she offered to, you know, put my book proposal in front of him. And then I got the book deal and here we are. That's amazing. That is so amazing. Praise the Lord for that. Um, If you had to um, just put grace in a box and say, this is what grace is, or maybe even this is what I thought grace is, but this is what I am understanding grace to be now. What would that be? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think I even really thought about grace as a concept before I was walking with God with someone's name or, you know, I mean, I just truly never even thought about it. And now it, you know, it's just the, the way that he loves us so much, you know, that we can, that we do mess up. We're always going to mess up and we don't, we have to accept that we'll never be perfect. And he will always give us this beautiful grace to make mistakes and try again. And I think that, you know, it's important to note that that doesn't mean that we just do whatever we want and, you know, say sorry every time we mess up because, you know, true repentance means that like you're going to turn and go in the other direction. 
you know, so when you do come to God and confess and repent, you have to truly mean that in your heart that you're going to try to not do that again. And he knows whether you really mean it or not. Right. But he gives us that beautiful grace to try again. And so then we can, yeah, extend that grace to other people has been such a big part of it for me is, you know, everybody's going to mess up. And how am I going to react when my husband does something for the 10th time that makes me crazy or my kids, you know, I've said something 30 times and they're still not doing it. And it's like, okay, no, we give grace. Like that's, we're supposed to be Christ-like. And so he gives us grace. We give grace to others. And Mm -hmm. I think if everybody could live their lives that way, what a different world we would be in. I love that. I love that. Well, um, Okay, you've kind of already said it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. It's the last question we ask all of our guests. <laughs> but if you could leave us with one thought today, what would it be? Yeah, it it would be to just put Jesus first. And it makes such a difference in your life, you know, and I'm living proof of that. I mean, so many of us are living proof of that. But whether you've never put Jesus first or you've put him on the back burner, not even intentionally for a lot of us, you know, it just kind of happened and you realize, Oh gosh, it's been so long since I've connected with him and just to put him first, meaning, you know, read his words, yeah, you know, have some structure to it. If you need to, to have, you know, guidance through a devotional or or a study group or something, do it every day, even if it's five minutes, that's something, you know, and then to reconnect with him throughout your day, because that made the biggest difference for me. It's when I'm washing dishes, I'm going to talk to him for a minute when I'm brushing my teeth, when I'm driving the kids to school, you know, talk to him for a minute. And just, if you can make that a habit to do that all throughout your day, you will feel such a strong connection and you'll start to feel that love. And for me, it wasn't instantaneous. It took time. So, you know, I think some people might feel discouraged that, well, I'm trying, I'm reading my Bible and I'm not feeling anything. And Mm -hmm. I think it takes time to grow any relationship. It's no different than any other relationship, but just, it makes all the difference when you're struggling in your marriage, struggling in motherhood, all of it. It's such a, such a life-changing thing. Yeah. I love that. that. There's so much truth in your words, Chrissy. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much because the message of grace never gets old. And it's when, um, we do, we forget life makes us forget the goodness of God and the grace that is available to us. And so I think that is why he gives people like you the ability and the gift to speak about his grace in such a plain and inviting way. If there is a simplicity and in it's invitational of like, Oh, I, I never thought about it like that. Yeah. I need to, I need to receive grace so I can give grace. And then we do this through the power that Jesus gives us and that that power is available to everybody. It's just a matter of, of asking. And so I love, I love, I love love that um, you are declaring this message because it's so needed, especially now it's so needed. Yeah. Oh, and can I give one more final thought? Can I have two final thoughts? (laughs) I just want to encourage women too, that might be where I was at the beginning of this. Like Mm -hmm. if your marriage is in a rough place, whether it's your husband has some kind of, you know, issue like mine did, or maybe he's not a believer yet, because I see so many women that, and I see it in like Facebook groups that I'm in with moms and they're always asking like, what do I do? You know? And even 
I mean, look what God did for me and my husband. And we weren't even believers really yet. We weren't walking with him and he still rescued us. And so just never give up hope because I felt very hopeless and I felt like it was never going to change and that I was just lost. Mm -hmm. And he completely, you know, saved our marriage, saved our family. And my husband is a completely different man now. You know, he's Mm -hmm. walking with the Lord. He's serving in church. He reads his Bible every day. And it's just so beautiful to see even his gigantic transformation over the last eight years. So there's just, there's always hope that, mm. you know, God can do miraculous things at any moment. That's I so love good. that. Amen. That's so good. That's good. Friends, if you are listening to this today and you know of uh, some women or men that need to hear this, we ask that you share this episode, mm-hmm. that you uh, you can text it to your friends, you mm-hmm. can message it to them. There's all kinds of ways that you're able to do that. So Uh, share this episode today because we believe stories change lives and we believe that this story uh, can definitely change lives. Chrissy, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank Thank you you so much for having me. It was great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, Portia, my friend. All right. We love you. I know we love you guys so much and you guys have a great weekend and we will see you next Friday. That's right. Bye. Bye.